0: We're going to switch things up a bit for this interview. It's a conversation that was recorded by Brandy Hady Montague interviewing me for her podcast for Animals for Earth. I met Brandy thanks to her offer to read through and give feedback on what's become my 1st ebook, exploring permaculture and how it can be applied to one's lifestyle. She was intrigued by the term Ecological Impact Center and asked if I'd be a guest on her show. I'd like to share that interview with you. We recorded the conversation several months ago when I first launched the podcast with only three episodes. I now have 13. I set on this journey to learn more about farms, who's running them, and what they're doing well. What's been released so far was my first round of interviews recorded before I even launched the show. I made all of those interviews without actually having a show. I made it up, and now it's something. That's pretty cool. I'm currently assembling notes for a recap episode, putting together some favorite insights that I've learned along the journey, mixed with some of my own thoughts on the matter. I'm also working on a couple of other projects that I'm excited to share with you in The Time's Right. In the meantime, I've decided to rebroadcast this two-part interview to help you get a better feel for me and why this podcast has come into being. In the first half of the interview, we talk about what an impact center is, and then I get into storytelling mode. Brandy asked me how I came to buy land in Costa Rica. My attempt at a short answer turned into a 20-minute adventure down memory lane. I also go off a bit sharing my thoughts on forgiveness of self and others as a core skill to develop when building community. Before we get into the interview, I want to thank Brandy for what she's doing with her podcast, For Animals for Earth. She's producing an array of interviews with activists and changemakers from many walks of life. Check out her playlist. You'll likely find some of her interviews intriguing.
1: Welcome to episode number 21 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast. Today is part one of a two-part series in which I'm talking with Jason Bliss, who lives in the South Pacific part of Costa Rica. Jason is calling in from his farm where he's worked with the local community for years to develop an ecological impact center. This is a place where he hosts visitors and people can be immersed in permaculture, organic farming, sustainable living, just everything in between. Jason recently started the Sharing Insights podcast in which he's helping people connect, people who have land and would like to start a center, people who have a center and would like to hear best practices from others on how to make it better, and for people who are just ecological enthusiasts, you know, that um, would, would like to just learn more about this movement and kind of figure out where they can get involved. The simple idea that I took out of today's episode is to stay open. I think we often have ideas of what life should be, but we hit moments that things just don't feel right. And in those moments, we don't know what the answer is. But I was reminded in listening to Jason that if we stay open, we notice messages that come our way through feelings or through interactions with others. And honestly, I think we're all being called right now to navigate to a new way of living in the world. And I think we can do that together. We can help each other get there. So for today's show notes, I invite you to go to foranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 21. And I would absolutely love to have you join me live for an interview. Next Tuesday, I'm going to be interviewing Steve Brown from the Provenance Chain Network. Steve and I are going to come at uh, helping animals in the environment from a completely different angle. We're going to talk about how technology can make supply chains transparent and how he's working on a project that would allow us to look at a product that we're thinking about buying and see exactly what it's made of, where those ingredients came from, where it was made who made it, everything in between, and that can help us um, to make decisions that we feel better about. So I hope you'll join us live. You can do that at bit.ly slash for earth live. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals, Four Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. I'm wondering if you can uh, paint a picture for us of what your property looks like and just help, help bring us into the space of what is an ecological impact center? What is the one in your world?
0: Okay. Well, um, sure. This, this farm, we've got a 20-acre farm, eight and a half hectares, and we are on a ridge top. We're between the towns of San Isidro and Uvita in the South Pacific. I've uh, got uh, eh, about 40 minutes to town, an hour to the beach, and slow-driving mountain road. And, yeah, we've got a view of the Telemanca Mountains, Mount Ripo San Isidro's down in the valley. Uh, it's a gorgeous feast. Actually, the house where I'm staying in now is called Casa Vista <laughs> for that reason. But yeah, we're on a ridge top. We've got our own spring water, fresh breezes. It gets uh, plenty warm and yet it cools off. It's not super humid by the beach. It's I love it. It's my favorite climate in Costa Rica. Uh, and yeah, we've got a f- handful of cabins on the farm and a dorm room, a community center. When I first bought the farm with my ex-wife we she's a permaculture teacher and we were you know really focused on uh, teaching permaculture having workshops uh, volunteers uh, interns stuff like that was a big focus for us we had a lot of activity here we were teaching a lot of people how to do this and that and we were figuring it out too you know it was really a homestead project we were you know we bought land we're tacking it up had kids were you know just trying to figure it out and we wanted to invite people in to share the experience with us and so Uh, We operated that way for many years and uh, at one point we made a pretty significant shift to our business model to reflect some of the things that we'd learned where our ideals weren't really meeting the sustainability we needed and uh, we weren't making the impact that we wanted so we made some adjustments, you know, and uh, went back to it. And then, uh, well, we went to the States for a few years. My youngest son had some developmental delay, has some developmental delays that uh, we need, wanted to get checked out and so forth, and so I was gone for almost four years until a year ago I came back and uh, just been regenerating the place and fixing it up and uh, really asking myself, you know, this question about impact centers. Uh, it's a it's a impact centers is a term that New Mundo org uh, has used. There it's an online directory that is the best online directory i know of for showcasing and making easy to find locations such as this that are being ecologically mindful uh, have programs that are socially beneficial and are have some type of outreach whether it's bringing people in and teaching them so they can go out to the world and share these new lifestyle uh, habits or tactics or whatever um, points of reference, really, even, even just to come to a place like this and stay for some number of weeks or months, even without any formal training, the point of reference of being able to live rurally in a relatively communal way where you know the outside world is less part of your life and really what's happening is what's here. That alone, I feel, makes an impact on humanity because mm-hmm. these people go back out into the world, whatever their, their business is, whatever their lifestyle is. Some of them just go back to the city and they just always remember that time they had on that organic farm. And maybe they've got some herbs in their flower box on the windowsill. Or maybe they went so far as to build a greenhouse on the side of their house. All these examples I'm giving you are true things that have happened from guests that have been here we've had one person who was a permaculture student and came here and she did some natural building as part of her course she came here to practice permaculture or natural building she was cobbing with us for months that was just what she did now she's got like a professional cobbing business an earthen construction business i'm not to say that you know we didn't start that ball for her but we were a place where she could come and practice what she was learning without having to have her own place and now that gave her more confidence and experience to go forth and start a business with it uh, i've had people come here that said jason cuz i'm also a, i have been a chef it's not my focus right now but a whole foods chef and i had a catering business for a long time And people come here like, oh, I want to learn how to cook for myself. I want to learn how to make. And so I've had apprentices that have come here and their focus was learning how to do farm to table and how to make meals with whatever there is, you know. And that's something that I've been able to offer. And now, you know, some of those people are like food is a major part of their life, you know. So this is a it's an experimentation station. You know, it's a place where people can really grow and expand on sides of themselves that they want to. And the amount of impact that any one person walks away with, really, like everything else in life, uh, is directly related to how much they put into it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But this is a place where if you want to get a lot out of it, you can put something into it and walk away a different person. And for me, you know, that's impactful. That's that's more impactful than buying organic to some degree because it's not just a consumer choice, which all those things are vital, vital. We have to start being conscious consumers. And, you know, being in a place where you're close with folks, maybe living together every day, doing projects together, and, like, per- interpersonal stuff comes up. Mm. And, you know, in a city, you just stop talking to somebody that you don't like. Or you just... <laughs> you just stop calling them or you just, if you have conflict with somebody, you just, man, but you can't do it here. We're in a bubble, you know? So even conflict resolution is one of the impacts that these places offer sometimes intentionally, sometimes just as a happenstance, but either way, um, with the exception of the people that really get burned by sour experiences that aren't well, uh, managed or, uh, orchestrated or facilitated, um, most people come away being like, oh, wow, I've never lived that close with several people for so many weeks or months. And even that is preparing us to be better human beings, I believe.
1: Mm, Absolutely. I I think, um, you know, it's interesting because you're, as a human, you're kind of throwing yourself into this experience that you know you're going to fully embody because you have no other choice once you've, you've, arrived there right you made the decision and once you're there you're there and every part of you is there and you have to just kind of weather every day and I feel like it would be a really good um a really good opportunity to learn how to live in the present which is probably a lot of you know why everyone sees all of these benefits that you're describing because there's there's really um Well, I guess I'm sure your mind can wander off into the future and into the past, but it just seems like, um, I like how you mentioned like in the city, you can really just kind of like, just shrug it off, check it out, go, go do something else. Um, but there you really, uh, you really have to embody kind of like what's going on and what's, what you're being faced with from the universe at that given time, which I think sounds amazing. Did you? So how how did you get into this in the first place? Did you, were you like a young boy saying, I have this dream of creating this place that'll bring people together? Or did you gradually get to it? How did you come about <laughs> buying property in Costa Rica and starting a place like this?
0: Epically long story. Uh, <laughs> I'll, try to, I'll try to give you the short version. Uh, no, I mean, hey, I'm... 44 now and I was 23 when I was 22 probably when I first decided to shift my life from who I grew up to be I grew up in Detroit I grew up in Detroit city uh, standard American diet uh, had the blessing of getting ill at 17 had chronic indigestion and acid reflux and all this stuff and I was in pain and for years I you know Tolerated it, ended up going to some doctors eventually. They gave me this medicine, the next one, the next one. I was like, Look, you got to like take my temperature or anything, something like do something before I take another pill because it ain't working. I need you to tell me what I'm dealing with, not just guess and give me another pharmaceutical. And so I fired that doctor and eventually moved out of Detroit and I moved to Arizona when I was like 21. And I was working for corporate America there, which was guitar center, but still they wanted me to cut off my ponytail and all this stuff. (laughs) And I just had these experiences where I decided like, man, I just don't want, I don't want this life. Like, I don't want this out of life. I know there's more. And so I quit my job there. And I started my entrepreneur path. I was selling tamales door to door, and I ended up becoming a balloon artist at restaurants, tying balloon animals for tips. And I was a sound engineer at a church and at a blues club. And I was just doing gig economy back before there was a word for it, you know? I was gigging and learning how to do stuff and becoming available and all of a sudden I had a lot of time on my hands because I was getting paid well for what I was doing and then I was being helpful and then more people were offering me gigs for good pay because I was the guy who could show up and do it and so I started like liberating myself from the whole idea of having a job I was getting into yoga and meditation and Whole Foods and yeah, my life, just those years, that, that like year and a half, two years, I guess I was, yeah, say I was in Arizona for two and a half years, and it was just this perpetual step after step after step of self-transformation, and a lot of it started with diet, because that was my biggest pain, and once I found out that the dietary information that I'd been fed as a kid, which was almost nothing, and it was based around making fun of people that eat well, um, I... I just became rather appalled that, Mm -hmm. you know, I live in a society that would allow this FDA that allows these horrendous poisons into our food supply and allows companies to promote them. It's just like, God, you know, we're, we're, it's anyhow. So I was young and I got really rebellious against the system and started learning about politics Mm -hmm. and the system and just commerce and more things than I'll care to, expo- to share um so at one point I had a revelation I was actually the, the story I was went and tied balloon animals at a steak food restaurant and uh I was a raw foodist at that point point. Mm-hmm. and I was just like what am I doing like, I kept asking myself this question I'm like I'm a raw foodist but I'm going to the steak food restaurant and I'm tying balloon animals for kids and I'm the attraction for people bringing their kids <laughs> to this restaurant that has poor quality food. Yeah. Yeah. Um and and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not a strict vegetarian anymore or a raw foodist or anything but I still when I do eat meat and when I do eat food I of high quality, not tortured animals and stuff. And that was a big thing for me. Like, wow, I was just walking around this restaurant being a conflict Mm -hmm. with what I was doing. And here I am like doing all of this just so, I mean, I don't buy anything anymore. I just pay my car payment. I pay my rent and I go to the co-op. if I want to buy anything else, I generally buy it from the meditation temple, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or or the used clothes store. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need to be in the city and I'm Mm -hmm. driving all around this metropolis doing gigs in Mm -hmm. this car just Mm -hmm. to afford having this car and living in the city. And I just, it was this paradox that I saw as being problematic for my ethics. Mm -hmm. And so one night I stopped after a gig and saw a movie called Instinct with Kubo okay. Jr. and um, it, it's kind of a, a a retell of the story Ishmael, okay. uh, which is a, a powerful book by I think is that Daniel Quinn that wrote that. Uh, look it up. But uh, I saw this movie and I walked out of the theater and just the the movie was about this man who had the audacity to walk away from his his being a human and he mm-hmm. walked out and lived with the gorillas. And when he tells Kuba Gooding Jr. his story of why he would do that, he goes back to the beginning of the agricultural revolution and when humans became takers, you know, and Mm. we we started wanting to sequester and control and um, I couldn't get in my car. I went and climbed a tree and I sat there for (laughs) half an hour watching traffic go by, just crying, like not knowing what to do with the conflict inside of myself. And I got in my car and I drove up to Sedona and i lay slept the, the rest of the the night on the red rocks there with no blanket or anything i just wanted to be exposed and the next day uh, i saw this homeless man on the side of the road waving to people and i just <laughs> uh, I was pulled over and was like what's up and he was telling me and i told him what i was thinking it was this amazing synchronicity and uh He's like, "Yeah, I had a family and stuff and I just had to follow my calling and this has been my amazing life since and he's a vagabond and mm-hmm. and he said, "Look, you know, the voice that's inside of you is the is the first voice you need to listen to for the rest of your life, the one that's not distorted by desire or running away from pain or running toward pleasure." If you can be still and know who your true essence is and what your true essence is calling you to do, sometimes it throws random things at you that you don't even know why. And sometimes you don't ever get an answer for why. But if you practice following that voices you're guaranteed to be led toward treasures mm-hmm. and treasures of self. And whatever else after that conversation, I drove back down to Phoenix just in tears um, the whole way. And I knew that my life was going to about had changed. And so I got a book on some long distance backpacking from the library and learned all about the gear I'd need and survival tactics and read it twice and got rid of everything I owned, loaded up a backpack and a couple months later had my buddy drop me off at the mountain in the desert. And I walked for 10 days across the desert, just um, processing a lot mm-hmm. Processing a lot, I wrote a big fat journal that week, um, and I just kept walking. I was at a point where I called the bank. I said, "Hey, this car you helped me buy, just come get it. I don't need it anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving." Uh-huh. And uh, I had nothing to go back to. And after being years of hiking mountains and always having to go back home, go back to the car, and
1: mm-hmm. being on that
0: mountain top, being like, "No, I want to go there." Uh huh but I'll go back. I have to like do my gig tomorrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this time I could just be like, I'm going there. Mm. And then I'd go. I'm like, mm. all right, now I'm going there. And I'd map plotted on the map. And then I got to a city and I'm like, I'm going to that other city. There's a festival up there. I'm going to tie balloon animals at. Okay. and I'm like, Oh, somebody just told me about this place. I'm going to go visit them there. And then I just spent six years living out of my backpack, hitchhiking around North and Central America, tying balloon animals to pay my way. And through the course of it, I started gravitating toward rainbow gatherings and permaculture farms, organic farms, intentional communities and i just became available for life of service and i found myself invited to be of service to a lot of different projects over those years and my needs were always taken care of granted i defined my needs differently than most people do you know there were almost none i need water eventually i need some more apples you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but i slept out in the open lots over those years under bridges and on park benches in the daytime and i also stayed in mansions and houseboats and and cool communities and i spent six years transforming myself systematically uh in a number of different ways i drove adventure travel tours i uh, all kinds of stuff and at the end of that spell i wanted to make big art and i had another gypsy that called me to minnesota to be uh to go there and meet up with some festival community, the Wookiee Foot Clan and the Harmony Park Tribe. And uh, I started helping out with festivals and doing big art and loving it. And after a few years, I was still in the damn city again. Mm. And I was ready to go out. And I met a woman that had a couple kids and wanted to. Put her money that her grandparents left her into something more useful than a bank account so we bought a school bus converted it into a veggie oil RV and drove south looking for a new place to live. After three months traveling through Latin America we uh, landed in Costa Rica and found it to be a country very different than the others as far as how we were welcomed how the police were the politics everything else spent another few months traveling around the country bought land and. I took all those experiences I had as a vagabond visiting places like this. And I felt like I knew something about running it. And then I got a big old serving a humble pie. It's <laughs> like, Oh my God, there's so much more to this. And I thought I feel so bad for all those owners that I underestimated all those years. Um, but you know, we just kept experimenting and going at it and you know, our relationship changed and we're not together anymore. And, um, And still just uh, keeping all that together at the same, you know, keeping the, the, the ethics and the integrity that I have ingrained in myself to even, you know, transform into, you know, divorce and separation and split family and all that and still just committed to doing it with love, committed to doing it with community, committed to doing it with radical forgiveness and embrace. And it's not always easy. It's confusing and complicated sometimes, but that commitment to radical forgiveness has opened the door for me to still have family and community, even though, um, you know, things are changing and shifting. And so, You know, we did our thing in the States and for a year I've been back here. I have an amazing partner uh, that's been helping me with the project here. And there's Mm -hmm. just, there's new growth on the horizon. And to bring it back to the Impact Center, you know, to be very honest, uh, you know, I'm, I'm holding some humble pie again, you know, where I'm putting all my focus into running this podcast and getting it launched and interviewing places like this because I don't know anymore. I'm finally at an age where I've realized, like, I don't know. And I don't know as much as I thought I did. And I need help, I need wisdom, I need guidance. And I have peers in this country, um, hundreds of them honestly, that own land that are trying to do different things. Some of them have succeeded more than others. And many of them have similar stories where they tried it one way and it didn't work out and they pivoted and now they're doing it different. and, And they're just keep on keeping on and they're serving people in different ways. And I feel like mm. no matter how any given place is doing it, the fact that they have, that they're, you know, for one, managing land in an ecologically beneficial mm. way, planting pollinators, planting fruit trees, planting water, mm. Um, mm. Mm. that alone, we need that on the planet everywhere. Socially beneficial project, things like, you know, just being kind and open to neighbors, giving them little plots of land where they can plant some beans for the season. Mm-hmm. You know, little things that there's lots of things are or allowing our neighbor to bring in graze his cows here in different parts to keep our grass mm-hmm. down and so he doesn't have to, you know, mm-hmm. like finding mm-hmm. ways or, or we we've, you know, hooked up with neighbors in the Pueblo here and we uh, mm-hmm. you know, have sent guests on tours to their farms or horseback ride or uh we have one neighbor that makes Mm -hmm. food for people when they want to have like a little cultural experience to go Mm -hmm. have a you know home-cooked meal in the pueblo you know these are these i feel are small things that we do that really are making social impact you know um allowing people a place even though we don't have an active education program here right now Mm -hmm. we have place where people can come and just be and we've got food in the garden that they can gather and we take time to talk with them Mm -hmm. and we've got some waterfalls they can walk to. And it's not Mm -hmm. the most exciting active places it's ever been Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I don't have the focus to give to it right now because of the podcast that I'm doing Mm -hmm. and the regional networking I'm doing. And I've tried to have some administrators here and honestly, I haven't really figured out the best formula for that yet. Um, that's why I'm doing these interviews. That's why I'm asking people how, what do you do best? Can you share it mm-hmm. with us? Cause if mm-hmm. we all, there's some things I do pretty well. There's some things I nailed, you know? Um, and that I'm still, I'm improving, but I got some things to share and everybody else has got something to share. And I, and I really feel with this mm-hmm. podcast, um, you know, the missing ingredient mm-hmm. to most of these farms, I feel is mm-hmm. each other is the network of us. Um, and that's what I'm setting out to build, to mm-hmm. bring some cohesiveness to. Mm-hmm. And so that you know, mm-hmm. no matter what you see on somebody's website mm-hmm. yeah, or anticipate them because they're a business and they're renting places and they got a program and all of this, I think too many places get an unfortunate bad mm-hmm. rap because they don't have all mm-hmm. their shit together. My, my word is to people visiting places mm-hmm. like this is don't expect any place to have their shit together we're humans, you know, we're all just figuring it out. And, um, as you know, this is like, this is Mm -hmm. episode 20 something for you. You know, you've, you know, you're, you're just starting your podcast adventure. I am too, you know, I'm right behind you and we're just still getting our shit together. And I think that's something that, you know, when we're kids, we get wrapped up in this labeling of our parents and our teachers and our authority figures as being something superior, somebody who's got their shit together. But when you get to the age when you see your parents, as mm-hmm. just people. It's people. And their faults are this you got faults too, you know? And the things that they did really well that you found out later in your life that they were just ordinary or not as good as they could have been— To hell with judgment, you know, like we got to really just understand we're all on this path of becoming Um, and, um, mm -hmm. being in charge of such a dynamic project of the, as this. And a lot of the people I've talked to already in my interviews, you know, we've got some really powerful things we can teach on the mic and in our classes and stuff. It's important for all Mm -hmm. of us to forgive ourselves for just being in the process behind the mic, you know, or, um. And that's, I think that's integral to these places mm-hmm. uh, growing is that they're willing to pivot and shift and humble down and and have courage to be something they never have before and to try again when they failed, you know, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. find better ways and seek advice mm-hmm. from mentors, from elders, from peers that are also not perfect. You know, That I think that's really an important thing that, we forget, and I think this this age of you know everybody's got their online courses, and everybody's trying to be a coach of some sort or another. And who knows? I might find myself there at some point when I feel like I've gathered enough things to put together into a program and share in a systematic way. And I've had some co- business coaches and stuff, and we're all so imperfect. And the 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 sooner we can really accept each other's imperfections and our own. The opportunity to build community, which is another aspect of these impact centers, many of them have this community-centric mm. ideal. Not all of them. Many of them just, this is my business, I do a retreat center, we offer these retreats, we give people a good time, they you know, they have ecologically and socially beneficial experiences, but mm. no, we're not looking for community. That's awesome. Many of them have this desire mm. to share the project with others and too many places go around too many people i think look in a few spots for that perfect place to join it like we did and we spent months looking around the country for that perfect place to join and then we got impatient we just bought our own project and now we're another statistic of a project that doesn't have the support that it needs you know so and part of that was our mindset coming from the cities of our ideals as being this mm. thing we wanted to project and because we didn't find somebody in our first mm. pass that was the perfect fit mm. we decided to do our own thing and i think that a lot of people who've come here they were like oh this isn't the perfect fit they you know even though it could have been a great fit we could have transformed and and created something new together because the the interpersonal dynamic was amazing um people you know too often come with too many of their own expectations and to build community with a bunch of expectations Mm -hmm. is well it doesn't really get you too far so you know again i i repeat the idea that these are experimentation stations these are these mm. are training grounds for us <laughs> mm-hmm. to grow, learn, uh, co-create, and really, I think it's it's important for just humans in general to mm. understand that we're we're all in school from womb to tomb. We're in school, mm-hmm. all of us, even the most revered podcasters and our, you know, the people that we admire that inspired us to do this, that have 10 million downloads Mm -hmm. and all of this, they just, they got their own issues, you know, and they're fallible. And, um, the more we can embrace that and, and like really Mm -hmm. be like, oh yeah, that's the juicy stuff of life is that (laughs) we're trying to be better people and we're never going to be the best. And we're always going to find our failures and faults and we're going to find other people's faults mm. and we're mm-hmm. going to do something and be like, damn, I could have done it better. Or, man, now I got to redo that. You know, that's what we're here for. Mm. Let's not suffer it and let's not push each other away. Mm. Let's remember that. That's what we're here for. This experimentation, the whole freaking life. And uh I just really yeah I, that's that's really my mission right now in life is to encourage people to experiment and forgive quickly themselves and others when things don't go the way that we all imagine.
1: I love how Jason shared his story with us from making balloon animals in a steakhouse to sleeping out in the open air on rocks and on benches to meeting people who Inspired him. A a theme that I noticed while listening is Jason's passion for people. I mean, you have to be a people person to invite others to come live with you where you live, but you also have to be a people person to go on this quest that he's on to learn from others. With Jason's podcast, he's seeking out everyone who's doing something similar and he's encouraging them all to come together and to help each other and he's not only talking to landowners but he's talking to everyone who's feeling called to bring the concept of community and land and harmony more deeply into their lives In part two of my interview, we're going to dig into how we actually can get involved in these impact centers and how we can personally connect to all of these concepts that Jason is sharing. I hope you'll join us in episode number 22. And that's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please consider hitting subscribe, rating or reviewing us, telling a friend, any or all of the above truly make a difference. The more people we can reach, the more people I can find to interview, and the bigger impact we can make together. Keep an eye on your feed. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Thanks. Bye.
0: That is part one of my story, and why I have a passion for these unique projects, and what they're trying to offer the world. Make sure to tune in to part two where I share some advice for travelers that want to visit places like this, as well as my take on volunteering. I also mentioned this ebook that I've written, which you can download for free on my website. The book describes permaculture, but not with regard to land management. It's more of a guide on how permaculture can be used to examine and redesign your lifestyle for greater efficiency and impact. If you're curious to learn more about permaculture and how it can be useful to you, even if you don't own land, I encourage you to check it out. I've included a link in the show notes. You can also find links to it on most pages of the website. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you can do so on Apple's Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, Podchaser, Podhoo, Wahoo, all of them. You know, we've also begun putting full-length episodes up on our YouTube channel, along with farm tours and highlights videos. So if you're a YouTuber, go check them out. Subscribe and leave some comments to let us know what you think. That's all for now. Keep on keeping on.